0: Hello and welcome to the third episode and Halloween special of the Kino Collective Podcast. Unfortunately today Louis wasn't able to join us, however Chloe is back and we hope to see Louis next episode. So today we'll be talking about Kiyoshi Kurosawa's 2001 film Pulse or Cairo. Um, The film is set in Tokyo after college student Taguchi commits suicide. A number of young adults living in Tokyo witness vision transferred across the internet. As more people disappear throughout the city, the internet becomes an almost breeding ground for malevolent spirits. The film follows three seemingly disconnected stories following the protagonist, Michi Ryosuke Haru, as they attempt to solve the mystery behind the ghost visions that are seeping beyond the computer monitors. So, um, to start off, um, do people enjoy the film um, or not, and why?
1: I don't know. I think that's, um, I think that's a great way to... Like to say about the film, it definitely got. It's very well made, um, and there are some a couple really scary scenes. But uh, it kind of lost me towards the ending. But admittedly, I was kind of um, zoning out, and finding it hard to pay attention, which I think is part of kind of the film's aesthetic But I think maybe I need to, um, you know, it does kind of make you zone out. I think a bit. Um, yeah, I. Agree. I think I need to give it another chance before I can. Um, I'd say it's a very well made film, but maybe. I'm not sure, yeah, well made yeah. I'm not sure I really liked
2: it I, I agree, I, I did find it a little bit slow, actually and um, I was, to be honest distracted the majority of the way through with some of the really bad acting
3: I can't really tell with the acting, if it's good or bad when it's in a foreign like, language I can never really tell if the acting is, is good or not but I thought there was something about it which, which had quite a a deep message I didn't really find it scary but I found it just a bit more depressing to be honest there was a there's a lot of depressing elements to it but um, I quite enjoyed it to be honest I thought it wasn't wasn't too bad
4: for me um personally I um I really enjoyed the opening and I was really intrigued really kind of engaged it until when it started to go downhill for me was uh, the library scene where you get a, a fat bit of exposition um, from the other kind of guy in the library who basically just explains the whole ghost stuff. And from that point on, it just got less scary for me and maybe a bit kind of a bit less engaging just because uh, it all been plainly said. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. They're basically just ghosts. If you go in the red room, then you're going to get turned into a ghost. And I, yeah, for me, it just started to go downhill. But the opener, I thought, you know, was really promising, personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think, um, I mean, out of the two films I've seen by him, this and Cure, it's definitely, it definitely lacks um, quality-wise. And the ending, I felt, really ruined it for me. It, it just went off-piece completely. But I think one of the main things in which I enjoyed about this film is just really how horrifying it is. Um, I, there's, I feel like there's not many films nowadays in which I can say I get truly afraid of, but this was one of the films... Um, that has kind of stuck with me when I first saw it a few years ago it's one of those films which I often think back to and I don't usually get that with many modern
1: horror films I think the first act was quite scary but I think uh, well, you know that scene where the um so the teen who kills himself, I'm going to admit I don't know any of their names so um, sorry if anyone gets lost but the teen who kills himself you know, of course there's three friends who react um, two female, one male I think for me, the scene around the like the suicide until the scene where the male friend who of the suicidal teen goes into the red room or the room the red around it and that ghost follows him. But like I think from that point, you didn't really know what was happening and a lot of it was just based on the anticipation of a creature coming or something. You know what I mean? And then the you know, the first proper scare like was legitimately terrifying for me, which was when the guy went in that room and there was that woman following him came out of nowhere oh yeah yeah
0: it's very cliche
1: of the whole whole. someone's moving quite weird but i think with the performance and just the music and the lighting they made it work but i thought like I, i like kind of philosophical films and like I i feel like the film did introduce a lot of interesting ideas i think it came at the cost of like um being scary and i think you could have still explored those ideas without explaining what the creature was, because I think what the, what the film is exploring is fears of loneliness and isolation, and even if the human nature is inherently one of like separation, and I feel like you could explore that totally through the human characters who we know are human and aren't part of they're just being harassed by this spiritual element, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely understand that point. Um, and kind of talking about that scene that you were talking about, the woman. Um, I have to say I disagree that it's not um i at the time it wasn't something that was kind of commonly seen, you know that strange movement, and I feel like in japanese cinema cinema that's something that they kind of managed to do well if you think about the ring you know the her coming out the t v that movement when you know when the film was first released was just completely new to audiences that's what made it so terrifying. Um, so kind of moving on to the next point with that, um, the film is part of a long list of infamous Japanese horror films. So was anybody kind of familiar to this genre prior to this?
1: Nope. I know of them. I mean, I know of them, Halsu, just because of some of the crazy scenes I've seen. But um, I've never seen any of it. I'm quite new to horror and I've only really seen um, kind of the, the most obvious stuff like Shining and Hereditary. Are these the more like outgoing uh Japanese films? I don't know, I
3: don't know what, what sort you mean, but I've seen the like I know it doesn't really count but Battle Royale is not a horror film, but there's it's sort of this feels like a new idea or a new way of conveying a message for a film in more like violent and horror ways. But I'm not sure if that really counts or not.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah, that would count. Um and kind of the horror genre in general. Um, what what are people's general thoughts? Do you are you into the genre? Uh, have you seen many films from other nationalities of that genre?
2: I think some of them are really cliche, but sometimes it works. Um, like I quite like watching horror films and uh, like TV programs. Obviously, um, The Haunting of Bly Manor came out recently, so that's been kind of big. Uh, and I have to agree with everyone. If I hear the phrase perfectly splendid one more time, I might cry. It, yeah. So I think in that sense, it is very cliche. Um, and then some of them, which is what I liked about Pulse, is that it wasn't cliche In that it was it was different to what everyone's seeing currently with the whole family moves to a new place. And then it's haunted, or that there's someone like coming after them and the kids complain, all that kind of stuff, which you see in like other films like Sinister, for example. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I actually really liked about Pulse was how it was different.
0: Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just the
2: classic exactly. like haunting that you normally see. Yeah.
4: I I thought it um I agree. Um, it did seem fresh. The whole idea of the kind of internet and the kind of screens, the way they film that. Um, kind of blurry you couldn 't really tell what the figures were doing um, was very effective in terms of eliciting a sort of um, kind of reaction of um, fear in the audience. but what got me was i 'd say i 'd even say there 's a cliche with the 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 whole red room stuff i just didn 't think that was I did not like that personally. They kind of tape around the red room, so they put tape around a red room and suddenly it 's kind of that's meant to stop people and then the whole kind of people always splitting off and the main character at the end he um he knows that he's not meant to go in the red room and then he goes away and i'm like oh man why are you doing i mean i know that's a cliche in horror as well is that you always say oh why are you going in that room stop um but the red room stuff i don't know what do you guys feel about the red
3: room when he went to get the uh, thing out he dropped a lid for the um the gas canister dinny and he rolled into the room and he went into the red room to get it. He didn't the need adult... the
4: lid though. I'm I'm gonna say this now he didn't need the lid. He you don't need, need a lad Yeah, the yeah when I was watching that car.
2: I
0: yeah, I was saying you don't literally just get out of there. Like n- then, like no normal person would go
2: in to get think, the lid.
1: I think the film can no. get away with that low because um it's quite a surrealist film I think. I think like I mean like what happens at the tell me if I completely got this wrong. But doesn't protagonist, who you know, who killed himself at the beginning, who were only seen through flashbacks and the um, protagonist in the present in the present after his death don't they somehow like both meet? Like, but this is her and is doesn't like something like that happen or something, I swear I was so there,
3: There's two parallel storylines which go on throughout and then they meet towards the end. The though, guy from one and then the girl from the other
2: in the yellow yeah, car.
1: Even though, like, isn't it supposed to be like that? to be possible because he's meant to be dead while that's happening.
4: I don't. Uh, do they meet the two? Um, are you saying that the same character meets so his future dead self and the main? Because I thought the ghost that confronted him was just a random ghost.
1: I don't think it I, was. I, maybe I'm completely wrong. His, I was completely lost around the third half. But I guess my point is, at the very least, I feel like in most films, if someone went in to get the red room, I'd be like, "Ugh, why?" But like, it's very surrealist. And I think, I think, like. I feel like you could obviously say, like, clearly these ghosts are partly an analogy for, like, our fear of death. And I think what you could see is, like, I mean, totally, if, like, you can't get into it, I get that. and maybe this is a bit potentially say But I think if you understand what the scene is, like, symbolically about, it kind of works more. I think the whole idea is, like, you could maybe look at it as, like, what it really is going into that red room is, like, we obviously think about deaths even though we ignore it. And I think it's kind of like the idea of, like, we have to explore, you know, the humans, we naturally have to explore the idea of our death eventually. And then he's confronted with the truth of his death, which is that ghost. And uh, no matter what he tries, it doesn't seem to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I felt um, the Forbidden Room was also kind of um, symbolic of the kind of overriding theme of loneliness throughout, um, which I felt was explored, um, you know, through themes of the internet, um, very well, but um I, yeah, I just felt the Forbidden Room was kind of like him confronting his inner feelings of loneliness and depression, and um what those feelings had kind of caused um throughout society within the film
4: mm. i yeah, I think it's all there, um, actually, now you've um, stated like that, the kind of sim um, symbolism just for me they didn't make it clear enough. I think it didn't go deep enough into, I feel like it could have been a bit more rich in its symbolism. Uh, whereas kind of, I feel like it just, it was one of those films that was leaning towards a kind of impenetrable sort of ambiguity that I, I don't really like so much um, in horror, where it's not ambiguous so its it's scary, it's just ambiguous and you kind of struggle to really make sense what of what's going on. But that's my kind of interpretation
0: yeah, yeah i did de- yeah i definitely understand yeah. that um so are there any scenes that kind of stood out to anyone in particular i know we've kind of talked about the scene with the woman but maybe we can I talk think about that some more
3: the um yeah. scene when when the woman we were talking about earlier when he um rolls the gas lid into the room the the setup for that I thought was not very good, but I think that's that's the one scene that scared me the most. The person I was watching it with wasn't scared of that at all, really, but there was just something quite disturbing about it. This this kid who was seemed to be quite like deny it throughout the film is now confronting it and just can't wrap his mind around it. It was it was pretty disturbing and quite depressing that, that whole sequence of this figure sort of just talking to him about the afterlife and death. I thought it was, there was something something about that.
4: Mm. I like the character, um, the protagonist guy. I like the scene, probably my favorite scene is the one at the beginning where he's trying to figure out um, how to get into his computer and he's going through all the kind of like terms and conditions stuff. And he's like, oh, I don't need to read that. Don't worry about that. You kind of, you know, you get a sense that he's quite naive really. Um, you know, very much the underdog. And I suppose that's why you root for him so
1: much. Love how um, much he. You... Oh, sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no, go on. Yeah. I love how much... I mean, there's definitely an intentional comedic tone to it. I just love how much he freaked out when he saw the ghost. Because, like, he didn't just turn it off. He t- turned it off, got scared for a bit, like, kind of went that. then threw his mouth. I think he threw something else. And then he went, like, really stiffly, got a cigarette out. So... And, then, and then lit it, and it was all in such a... Yeah, he's a very... He's a very likable character. I also think, along similar lines to that, that scene where he asks, like, how do I save a website? And someone says, well, click twice. He's like, hold on, hold on. And he gets a pen <laughs> out. Uh, also, I, I love this fashion. I love the fashion of the film. I know it's quite simplistic, but I mean, this is, I honestly, like, I know you said, I think, Arthur, you said you didn't like the library scene. I honestly think I might have liked a scene just for the character's clothes alone. Like, I think... It's very 2000, isn't it? very 2000s yeah, like, yeah almost like 2000s yeah um yeah i'm like i think instead of asking about oh, what does this say about the ghost i was just thinking how could i buy a shirt like that yeah. <laughs> and how do i make it work with my jackets
4: they were wearing american stuff weren't they um yeah like, had um uh, i was thinking there was a bit of crossover there because a lot of stuff in the computers was um in english like the the his kind of program on his um, computer was called um, Uranus or Uranus, depending on how you pronounce it, with like the little at symbol in the middle. Um, I don't know if that's some sort of little joke from the director or saying, um, but it just seemed a bit dodgy from the start. But um, yeah, there seemed to be a bit of a crossover of cultures. Maybe if I was going to dig deep, I'd say there's a kind of maybe mistrust of foreign kind of technology.
3: I don't know. Maybe there was something there. It was very new, wasn't it? The internet in the two thousands. Yeah, so, um, and
0: yeah, definitely. And I felt like that was a big kind of overriding theme of the film was kind of the um how um alien the internet was at the time and how possibly, like you said, the mistrust in kind of foreign sites and stuff. Um how that kind of seeped into like a general distrust of the internet overall. Um I really love the way he explores that theme because it's so relevant um, to many audiences at the time. It kind of really
1: hones in on people's fears. I think it's still relevant to this day. Which I think what's really crazy about it is it was a film made about the internet in 2001, and it didn't feel outdated. And uh, because I think probably what it was, it wasn't really like here's the internet I want to explore that. I feel like it's more I want to explore the themes of loneliness and isolation, and the internet offers How a of lot. How the about internet that.
0: plays a role in yeah, that kind of thing, I yeah. Think
1: is it just me or did like did the film give the vibe of just being up too late on the on the internet you know just watching YouTube videos or stuff? I got yeah. that yeah, a lot of it was yeah. set at night as well, yeah, so. that's what I
2: thought a lot of it I'll was just, like happening at nighttime
1: I more meant the um like the aesthetic like I thought the a lot of the camera quality was sort of grainy, there was a lot of kind of drony background sound, and I guess I was kind of watching this when it was dark, so maybe that probably helped but like, I think there was tons of times when I was a kid where, like, I'd been up for, like, you know, like, I'd be on my computer and then I'd just look at the time but like, oh, it's three in the morning. And I don't know, just that feeling. I think the film created that feeling really well through its visual, and I think that also is kind of what makes the film hard for me to analyse, because it almost creates a kind of... a dull kind of feeling. Like, I almost do feel myself kind of zoning out or kind of being like... or, like, watching and then just being like, wait, what happened? You know, like, you know when you watch a yeah. film and... It just feels like 10 minutes went by and you didn't pay attention to all of it.
0: Yeah, I get that completely. I, I like A lot of um, the grading of the film and, like you said, um, kind of the shot types and angles made you feel like you were watching it through a screen, which kind of plays on the fact that, um, you know, the ending where, um, again, I'm sorry, I'm awful with character names, but um, when the woman looks up and she she's basically looking at herself through a kind of camera, view i love how it plays on that because it's just it makes you feel completely immersed within their world and funny enough um it this very badly reminded me of um there's a um film a series a horror series um film series called unfriended i think it was which awful films but um i love how still um to this day people are playing on that kind of um fear of the internet type thing and um fear of kind of being watched um so yeah l- like kind of james said before it's still a very relevant topic to to this day
4: yeah very fresh i think uh, the internet's probably gotten more dangerous really um so it's probably grown more relevant over time and if you think about it they all had to be at home to be looking at their computers and seeing all those kind of nasty images but now you know we've all got mobile phones so i conceivably you could have made that film now and it just be you know the same sort of thing, but it's on your phone, it's in your pocket. And I think, you know, there's something even more scary about that. But um going back to that point when you're talking about that scene earlier, Kitty, um, where that I really like the way it's filmed, this scene, um, where she's looking at the computer and then she sees the cameras on her back. So she kind of walks back. I don't could you could you maybe explain what actually happened, because I have a vague idea, but I feel like you might know more than me just because she seemed like she was going to hug like a ghost, maybe. I don't know. Cause she was lonely.
0: You know, I would explain it, but I probably I don't I I think that's one of the scenes which is feels to me up to interpretation because I probably I can't give a kind of clear synopsis of that scene either. But um for me I kind of took it as um it it's kind of it's in her head basically. So, you know, it's we see throughout the film all of these people being kind of driven to um suicide and states of depression through um this website and for her she kind of that um kind of inserts itself in her brain through insanity um and although actually when i was watching the film that was the scene which was like why is she why is why is he showing this because what happened there is so different to you know everybody else just kills themselves basically that's kind of their escape from it, but she seems to you know it seems to drive her to this point where for me it it seems as if she's imagining things, um so yeah that was actually quite confusing but I'm interested to see what your take was it was was on it.
4: Um, me well actually yeah you know I don't, I didn't really know to be honest it seemed like she had. I was just confused because it seemed as though she was trying to cure her loneliness and she'd found the ghost and she wasn't alone anymore. But the scene preceding that was one where she was with um, um, the protagonist, the long-haired kind of naive guy who didn't really know much about the internet. Uh, they were on the train, but she ran away. And if she was kind of just insane, I suppose that makes sense. But it just seems strange to me that she was trying to kind of cure her loneliness by kind of finding the ghost that was watching her, rather than just, you know, hanging out with, I, they could have just been buddies, you know, her and the, that, the protagonist, you know. There's a lot of scenes. That,
1: oh, there's a lot of, I mean, especially in the third act, I really, there was a lot of scenes where someone said, please stay here. And I think a lot of the times they didn't like, I know, like, he said it there, I'm pretty sure when he went to, you know, get the, um, the gas for the car, he said please wait here and then eventually she came in because he was so long and then also when he seemed ill and stuff and he put her on the boat she said please wait here like i'm not sure maybe i'm overanalyzing but i feel like and i guess of course the first time he asked like and i guess maybe i feel like maybe the director's trying to make a point about how like we can't trust other people maybe just the fear of like uh you know if we have a plan we ha- i guess there's a lot of scenes where someone has to plan to solve this and then it all hinge i think it seems to point out it hinges on this person, trust this person enough to just wait. And I guess maybe because it's a film about loneliness, maybe the director's trying to make commentary and just the fear of like having someone else involved in a situation or a plan, because, you know, it means no matter what, you're not completely autonomous in that situation. You know, your fate, if you want to put it that way, lies on someone else to even just a small extent is, can, it's like a terrifying thing. Oh no, maybe I'm overanalyzing it.
0: No, I, yeah, I, I think you're definitely, yeah, um, uh, yeah, sorry, I, <laughs> I, I don't think you're overanalyzing it, basically.
2: That's the point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is, is, that's yeah. what we do on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and while Imagine. we're on that scene as well, um, that was actually one of the scenes that, like, stood out to me the most, purely because of the way the camera moved. And how it, 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 like, I think that was, like, the first time in the film where the camera just spins on the spot. Other than, obviously, when the other scene that stood out to be that, when we spoke about earlier, the woman who moves weirdly in the dark. Um, For me, that was actually the scariest one. It was, like, the suspense of her, like, looking over the chair. And there's, like, a pan down to him on the floor. Um, But, yeah, in this scene, it actually, like, spun, like, horizontally more than once, which was, like, quite interesting because it's quite unorthodox and it really just like, it makes you feel as though you're part of it. And also in that room, which I think adds to the horror genre. Yeah, definitely. I feel like before the kind of
0: static cameras were um, kind of really reminiscent of the, you know, like immersing you within that internet world. But at that point when we see the kind of um, tracking of the uh, the panning of the um, camera, it's kind of like, I feel like it's almost showing how, you know, for the, the protagonists at this point in the internet world is, you know, it's like no longer a kind of focus of um theirs. It's onto kind of the real world and how they'll escape this internet world. Um so I feel like that's just my interpretation, but um I feel like Kurosawa does that very well. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um I'm curious. So um you mentioned how this is kind of part of a um movement of japanese horror i'm wondering like so in terms of I guess, cinematography style themes like how similar how like much of a, like a representation is pulse of like the movement as a whole like is the stuff it does like very similar to that movement or are there any films in well, this movement
0: i'd to? say i'm definitely not an expert on japanese horror i've seen I've probably seen more than i remember but you know um if I compare it to one which uh, many people know and kind of sticks out in my head, um, Ring. Um, I'd say in in many ways there are similar elements, um, as in we've got the kind of... Um, it's, I You know, a weird thing about... I find when watching Japanese horror is they always feature women with long, dark hair, really tall, kind of lanky women with long, dark hair with, you know performing kind of alien movements and we see you know a similarity there but like an overriding theme in both films i feel like oh i guess with ring there's the kind of overriding theme of technology um but over kind of japanese horror as a whole um it doesn't feel like there's a um there's a kind of you know consistent theme um i think what it is with japanese horror is They explore kind of alien subjects, which many kind of Western films um, don't really go into as as effectively. So what it is with Japanese horror, um, I think is just how terrifying it is to many audiences because they're they're good at honing in on some kind of um, quite personal um, fears, if you kind of understand that.
4: What's... um. You talk about um, the ring a bit. Um, is that another film by uh, Kurosawa? Uh, no, it's not. Um, it because um, I'm intrigued. Maybe, maybe um, Japanese horror will be uh, redeemed in my mind if I watch this one as well. Sounds quite. Yeah, cool. I, think I, I think
0: right or... Yeah, I recommend it. It's by a director called uh Nakata Hideo Nakata, um but it's it's yeah, i mean i I don't wanna give anything away, but I'm sure you all know um the kind of spoiler to the film, what happens, and stuff, but um it is what very is it? scary, yeah, oh, you don't mention like
4: and someone go and similar movements
0: I oh, just I've given it away then, but um oh, okay, I'm sorry That's all right. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, sorry, spoiler warning for anybody listening, but um, yes, um, it's a great film.
4: Doesn't sound like if someone moves through the I don't know. I'd have to watch the film
0: a bit,
3: but um, yeah, these films all have like American remakes as well, don't they?
0: Yeah, has anybody re- seen any kind of American remakes of Japanese horror film? I'm I've
3: intrigued. seen. I've, I think I've seen more than I've actually seen the the Japanese original ones. Really... Just because when I was growing up, and I was twelve and thirteen, I used to like watching these scary films, which my parents wouldn't actually let me watch. But um, no, I'm pretty sure I've seen Ring, the the American version, a long time ago. And I mean, it was alright, but I can definitely see, like the uh, the Japanese one looks much more scary than than the American one, because they all just are oh, a bit dumbed down. I think these these Western films just dumb down all the characters and make it a lot more uh, easy to understand and blatantly scary by just making it horror and making jump scares. scares. Yeah yeah. I mean it um, works
1: but it doesn't really. It's kind of like I mean I feel like obviously it's not like Pulse isn't exactly subtle but it goes it goes it goes all in with that over-the-top style so the horror could actually work. I got a sense that an American remake would keep the horror elements as extreme, but wouldn't keep the characters and like the filmmaking techniques over the, I don't know. I haven't seen the um, 2006 American remake, so maybe I'll see it and turn out to be completely wrong. But that's just the vibe I get, you know, whenever these um, American remakes of foreign films are, you know, they don't really get what makes that country's cinema special. So it just takes the general outline and keeps like the most extreme iconic moments, but doesn't understand all of the film form that made it work. Are there any good um, American remakes of um, foreign films? Well, there
0: was, I, I watched this um, film, uh, and I'm not good at remembering director's name, but it's called One Miss Call. And the Japanese version is kind of as awful as the American version, but somewhat. in some ways the American version is better just because the original Japanese version is so bad. But that's the only one I can think of um, where the American is better. And even, even that, like both films are kind of not worth watching. Um, I think America's
1: yeah. got a winning strategy there. Just find the worst films they can get.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. I think um, The Departed was Martin Scorsese remaking a film called Infernal Affairs, which is a oh, Kong yeah. action film. Um, and there's, there's, I think you can have a debate with someone about you know, which one is better. Um, because they literally both had the exact same plot. Um, it I think it just depends on the style of director really, uh, with that. But there seemed like there was two very good directors behind both. I preferred the um departed personally, just because of the kind of actors and performances. And it just it was longer actually. There was just more depth, which I I
1: actually really... thought um well, I actually thought it was kind of a bad film personally. Well, well, at least departed. Very... Yeah, just very I just felt there was kind of nothing to it a bit just, oh, here's this scene, here's this scene. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I've mentioned before I'm not a big Scorsese guy. I feel like he's a montage filmmaker.
4: Not well, really. You could do a whole podcast, James, me and you debating Scorsese. We should, maybe we will.
3: I, I think you've got um, Godzilla as well. Is probably the biggest American-turned thing from a Japanese original which now America's basically just taken over and made five, six—I don't even know how many it is—but a bunch of crappy movies, and they haven't really got it right yet. I mean, I think, they, um, the one they did make was all right a couple of years ago, but other than that, they've been a bit uh, a bit off, I'd say.
1: I think Japan is still making Godzilla films more. Although like they made them, um, was that one in 2016, Shin Godzilla. I think oh, it. really, yeah, they're, they're then, still making them. I didn't yeah, realize but, um, that
0: was um, Japanese. I thought and, like, it
1: was. I think Hollywood in total has only made three Godzilla films. Yeah. There's, no, I saw
0: right. that. They, there's they've Godzilla.
4: There've been like Godzilla versus like Transformer Five. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, you <laughs> know, yeah, but those those are still Japanese. Like all well, Are those. they Japanese?
4: Okay. Yeah. No. Maybe I thought they're all American.
1: But don't you um don't you diss Godzilla versus Robo Godzilla and Giant Moth? I mean, Orson Wells couldn't do better than that. Cinematic classic. Let's
4: search on what
3: Godzilla movies we have. King Kong versus Godzilla. Mothra versus. Godzilla. That was going to be King Kong versus Frankenstein. Oh what?
1: I'm sorry. There's God, a lot of things.
4: There's no way Frankenstein's beating Godzilla. He's like tiny. It
1: was going to be giant. Apparently, because. Oh. And here's the thing: they didn't change the script. So at one point, King Kong's beaten, and then a bunch of lightning hits him, and he gets back up.
4: Oh, he becomes Frankenstein.
1: King Kong? No, 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 it just was King <laughs> Kong, but they didn't change that oh. part of the script. So, um, I love how we've gone from Pulse to um, yeah. <laughs> Godzilla, <laughs> Frankenstein, <laughs> King Kong.
3: Do we
4: yeah. think, I haven't actually
3: seen the first Godzilla, the original, but is that a horror film? Do we I think, think it was intended to be a horror, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: Was it? I thought it was, I mean, I haven't actually seen it, but um, I've read a lot about it. Um, I kind of assumed it was more of a um, sci-fi.
1: sci-fi. Well, I think it's more a drama about kind sci-fi of Hiroshima. It says here. I think it's because you know it's really about um, Hiroshima.
4: Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's kind of a metaphor, isn't it? the whole thing for the um, effects of the atomic bombs and the kind of horror of something kind of really un, kind of like uncontrollably kind of powerful and
1: destructive. The history of the um, the history of the localization is fascinating. 'Cause it was a very Japanese story and America really didn't want to explore that. So in it, there's a big narrative device a, a Japanese reporter goes to a specific area and he's like a big kind of frame of reference for it. They literally, for the American release, edit over uh, edit a white guy over him. And it's literally just standing there, like, I'm seeing a Godzilla. The locals are telling me that he has cut he is an ancient creature come from their de like, yeah, um, yeah, it's really fascinating because it started out actually kind of political, but then um, I think like then eventually it just became like Godzilla versus Mothra or stuff like that.
4: So what they did an American edit of the um, like a, 1950s.
1: The, the original, yeah.
4: Well, and this then, is like a recurring theme now. We've had this with Old Boy as well, where it's just Americans ruining foreign yeah. cinema, remaking it.
1: Oh, we need we should do an episode specifically on that. You know, just worst case of. Japanese Americanization, yeah, yeah, Hollywoodization, whatever you call it, yeah, localization, yeah. So, well, we discussion um, on worked. the Godzilla films <laughs> and um, Pulse or something—I think it was. Yeah.
0: What were people's thoughts on the final scene, or kind of the end sequence as a whole? Did people feel it worked well with the rest of the film, or did it feel separate um, from the beginning?
4: For me, personally, I think it worked because they had that at the very beginning. I'd even forgotten about that scene where they're on the boat at the beginning, I just complete, because so much stuff happens and it just takes up your mind and it's so kind of abstracted, you know, literally on a boat, they're like as far away from any kind of Wi-Fi signal or whatever as you could be, basically. Um, And yeah, I think it worked. Well, I just, um, I was a bit unsure about uh, what happened to... um, the protagonist, the main guy, because um, he had been kind of got by the ghost and then you saw him fade away into the wall and kind of make that smudge, smudge sort of stain um, like the other ghosts. Um, and I was wondering what his fate was, but it seemed like a kind of good ending because she seemed like she wasn't lonely anymore. The other girl who worked at the uh, plant shop or whatever, um, it seemed kind of bittersweet, I'd say, but I think it was a good way of wrapping it up.
1: I had no clue what was going on for like the moment. The thing is, I even lost, I even lost, um, I even kind of lost, I didn't even know who the which characters were who towards the end. Cause I feel like just, um, I felt like it's much more like kind of about the horror than the characters. So I feel like besides I get a well, lot the characters in the industry stick out my mind. And I, I will admit I was sort of kind of zoning out towards the end, so maybe it's more my fault, but like, I was honestly kind of completely lost. The only thing I will say is, am I the one who thought the final music choice was very, like, kind of the music they played during the credits was very, like, an odd pop, choice pop. like, a pop song, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, it
0: definitely contrasted the, what was, up until then, I felt a, a brilliant soundtrack. You know, you get that kind of ambient um, whispers of Help Me, um, combined with basically a lot of the time not much um not much soundtrack really and when it was it was um very sinister. Um, but yeah the end choice of music I definitely agree with you James um, definitely I felt wasn't a great decision. Um it definitely took away um from the feeling of the film but sorry as a whole I felt the ending um for me was so separate from the beginning. Um and really i think it could have been an amazing film if not for the second half um, oh, i felt it kind of lost its lost its energy a lot and um it just, it it lost direction completely for me it was it i think um it would have been better without such a kind of solid narrative plot which he felt it felt he was trying to follow too strictly you know you i you know like like you said james i kind of yeah, I lost what was going on by the end.
1: Maybe you should have kept it more personal than like feel this need to be have this global. I'm really curious. Yeah, you...
0: exactly. It got yeah. too big. I mean, that whole thing with the plane crash, it, it was like it's like ridiculous. So like,
3: that's what it was I was thinking. It, it turned from a horror movie into a uh, post apocalyptic movie, which just didn't really work as much as it should have, I think. Because it was literally there was a point where it didn't seem like It was affecting anyone. And then he meets, the two storylines sort of meet together and he sees it in the car and the whole world's just gone to shit basically. It's all, everything's messed up. And uh, it it just didn't make much sense how it it went from something so small to something so big, because I think there was something to be said about the loneliness and the isolation, but then making it the whole world sort of brought it out and made it a bit too broad, which I
0: didn't really
3: understand.
0: And like a good thing about the beginning is it, like I said before, it kind of honed in on quite personal fears, which for me made it um, more scary. But by the end, it's um, it's kind of like global fears, and it, it doesn't make sense to be afraid of the film anymore because it it just seems so ridiculous and kind of out of proportion of what would really happen, you know.
1: The fear of um, disconnection and like isolation and our relationship to other people is kind of lost when in the final half. There's like a scene where someone shoots themselves and like there's a plane crash. Um, I, you know, I guess that's, yes, that's, yeah, how I feel. I think that's, um, I'm really curious to hear what like, what the director's process behind the thinking was. Like I wonder if, I, I honestly get the idea, like the soundtrack at the end, the song at the end and the plane crash, that really makes me think, was there studio interference? Was there a, we need this for the trailer? You know? Yeah. That that's yeah.
0: an interesting point. Um yeah, definitely.
1: Was it I'm, the I'm not
0: sure but Yeah. It'd
1: yeah. be really interesting to hear, but I wonder, um it's a relatively obscure film, so it'd probably be hard to find any like English subtitled like interviews or videos on the matter.
0: Yeah, it's funny how um different the film is to his other kind of his um more successful film, Cure which is, it's a kind of crime drama film, but um, which is, Cure is great throughout um, and kind of really shows and offers this, what everyone thought he was going to be, this kind of clear auteur type director. But um, this film, I I don't know. I just, the reason I kind of chose it was because I thought discussing, you know, it, it has its highs and lows and I thought it would be interesting to discuss those kind of highs and lows.
4: Yeah, I, I was a bit worried because I didn't really like it that much. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to shit on this film that um, Kitty really likes. But um, that seems, I thought we always had to recommend films that um, we loved. But actually, this is quite good to kind of have a film that has, you know, you balance it out. There's aspects that you really like. You know, you get films like this where you really like some aspects. and It's kind of frustrating in a way. It's like if it just had these other aspects, it could have been a really well-rounded kind of film. But it just kind of, you know, sinks on some.
0: Aspect. yeah no yeah I, I was going to do I was going to choose um Texas Chainsaw because that's like my favorite horror film, and I know I've got a lot of kind of glowing things to say about it, but this um, I thought was more obscure, so you know maybe broaden some kind of listeners' um, film viewing um, but as well it it's interesting to talk about downsides to films you know not not everyone has a good thing to say basically
3: I think good choice, yeah. Yeah, me too. I
1: thought it was, it was really interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Nothing Thank else you. can say. I watched a film that ended with the internet destroying all of humanity. Sort of. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Well, those no, like, still there. happened as well, weren't like, um, Yeah, I mean... They people or it felt sort of a bit... At some points, it did feel a bit oddly relevant in a world of corona.
0: Definitely mm. the end when um, it's yeah. kind of you get that impression that no- nothing will ever... You know, she's happy with her new life and how nothing will ever be kind of the same as it was yeah. before. Um, on So as a bonus on today's episode, we have um, with us a special guest, Jay, um, who is also part of uh, with us for the old boy episode, which was um, last week. Um, but thinking, today he but, um, is guesting oh. with us to talk about his new film Chain, which was released today. Um, uh, and it's available on YouTube. Jay, do you want to give a quick overview of the film?
5: I, yeah, okay. As best as I can, because it wasn't a simple plot. But a man, a man wakes up in his kitchen, not knowing what's happened. There's a note in front of him that says, you know what you owe me. And the audience obviously have no idea what this is. But the film follows the man as he journeys to find another mysterious figure who he owes something to and as we're, as the film progresses, we start to hopefully understand what it is that he owes.
0: Okay, cool, great. Um, So I kind of have a question first. Um, It's kind of quite a technical question. I'm just wondering what you shot on because um, not only the grades the black and white grade I thought was beautiful but as well just the the general look of it um I'm really curious as to what you shot on yeah
5: thank you um you'll be glad to know it was a cheap DLSR. so um, oh wow yeah just borrowed it from college I can I think it was a canon 700d eos 700d it was,
0: nice yeah
5: it produced better results than i thought it would so i'm really really happy with it
0: yeah it looked great um and also um some of the one of the scene or scenes which kind of stood out to me were um the scenes in which we track the man's movements and i was wondering whether um you just did that handheld because it seems so smooth
5: (laughs) here's the funny story are you talking about on the bridge as yeah yeah um, this was the ultimate student, Dolly. We actually strapped the camera, which was on a tripod, onto a bike with loads oh of tape and cling film. and We wheeled that out to the bridge at six o'clock in the morning so there were hardly any cars. And we just did loads and loads of takes back and forth, up and down the bridge. It was great fun, but it was tedious.
0: God, that that is amazing. I didn't expect that because... It was so smooth, I thought maybe you just had like a steady hand or something. But um, Maybe
5: I shouldn't have said that then,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, No, that is very creative. Um, and I was wondering as well, um, what was used for the prop of the hand? Because that was another thing which kind of struck me how realistic... Um, I'm, I'm happy
5: you thought it was realistic, because we bought a fake hand from a Halloween shop for about <laughs> £5. Pounds. And I, one of the reasons I wanted to shoot it in black and white was because it would look, it would make everything look so bleak. But the hand itself, if you see it in colour, I'm looking at it, it's hung up in my room. It's, it wow. does not look realistic at all in colour. Right, I'll, I'll yeah. Put picture somewhere, but yeah, yeah, it
0: was
3: a
5: rubber hand.
0: Oh well, wow. yeah, I thought it looked great, um, very realistic to me. Um,
3: I've got a question. Um, the, the voices, because there was obviously a distortion on it. Was mm. there any like, meaning towards that? I guess that there must have been some sort of meaning. I there just thought was. it was interesting the way um, you did that, along with the black and white.
5: The, um, the sound design of the film itself was something that... It was an idea I had from the very beginning, and I wanted to use this, this re- repetitive image, this motive of water... And I, I've used that throughout the film to try and symbolise panic. And so I, I've sort of imagined that as an audience, we are, along with man, we're submerged under the water, and the water represents panic. So throughout the film, you'll hear the sounds of waves, and that will will really slowly get louder.
3: Yeah, it's building up like mm, yeah, I heard get that.
5: Yeah, much louder in times. Or when something happens, it's quite stressful. Or leading up to that final, the final moment before it all cuts out and everything resets.
1: And well, I, see, I just um, wanted... Sorry, sorry keep, going,
5: keep going. I, I wanted to try and get a sense of everything was submerged in panic. I wanted to try and make the audience feel a little bit distressed if they couldn't hear everything that was going on too well. So they had a lot to focus on. They had the the scene itself they had subtitles they had this ongoing waves there's just a lot that i wanted to build onto people's senses
3: was it inspired by the lighthouse in any way because i could sort of see absolutely you see the yeah yeah the i could see some in inspiration from the shorts. yeah
5: with the two films that i went into it thinking these are the ones i really i really want to try and add add some references to somehow
1: what was the other film Just out
5: of curiosity. Uh, There were, well, there was three. One of them spoils a lot, but there was The Lighthouse, uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead, which was a massive inspiration, and obviously Groundhog Day, because it was big, hellish, horrible Mm -hmm. loop that spoils it. So if you haven't seen it,
4: Mm -hmm. sorry. Well, in regards to that spoiler, I've got a question. then. So does he have to eat the hand to break the loop?
5: This is the thing. I want to, I don't want to say too much about it because I really want everyone to have their own interpretation because I I firmly believe if I don't say, if I don't confirm this, if I don't confirm a lot about the film, then nothing's correct and everyone can have their own interpretation of it. They can all say, well, that's right because of this, that happened because of this. So I'll leave that one. I'm sorry. Yeah,
4: that's fine. I literally earlier today I was reading stuff about the lighthouse and how when Robert Eggers was getting um, interviewed and people asking him very specific, are the characters gay? For example, he just refused to kind of comment. He says, Look, I'm not gonna say you've got to figure this out for yourself because part of the um, artistic value of the film is its ambiguity. So, yeah, I completely understand, man.
5: It's the same with the Razorhead, too. Was, yeah, how long did, the,
3: did it take for to, sorry. How long did it take for you to make the film?
5: Well, we, we shot it over th- three weekends, yeah. It was just, it was my dad and my uncle who star in the film, very limited cast. And I just said, will you be in this film? And they said, yeah, of course. And I said, could we film over these three upcoming weekends? And so they weren't, they weren't entirely shot in order. But we, we used what time we had. The editing has taken a bit longer. I've I've alternated with college work, really, so that's that's gone on for a bit longer than I would have liked. But writing, right as I as I've said earlier, it was a bit of a. I kept going back to add to the script, and even now I think, because it, it, this it starts as this small figment of a story, and I kept. Adding to that and I think even now I think I could probably write a script for a version of Chain That's an Hour. I just I always start with these stories as one one small bit that starts off I really wanted to tell a story about someone who had to eat a hand and I, I kept adding to that and things kept coming to that. so I do I've got an idea as to what happens to the two characters outside of. This story now. I'd, I'd like to do that again one day.
4: Yeah, I'd love to see a yeah. one-hour chain.
5: Maybe yeah, I was going to say. Do you think
0: we'll there. ever get to see a hour-long version?
5: Hopefully, hopefully more. That if I ever get into the industry, I'll scare scare people off with that.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, closed. there's some great films come from that. I mean, Whiplash was short at first, wasn't it? Before they made
5: it. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: So, well, yeah, I'm
5: glad Brilliant. you're comparing that to Whitplash already. <laughs> <laughs> I think
3: that was a really good concept there, which could be expanded on definitely, because it was a, Thank you. it was there was a very solid thing going on there.
5: Thank you. Can I switch and now become the interviewer and ask you well, what you thought happened, sure. or what you thought it meant?
4: Oh, just just generally.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I, I think there was an aspect of it, which there was sort of a plot, but then there sort of wasn't a plot. It was sort of in a circle. Like you said, Groundhog Day is sort of like it. And there's also this sense of like imagination or supernatural as this person has to... I don't know what he has to do with the hand, but there's this strong symbolism with the hand. like By the hand, that feeds sort of thing in a way, but I I don't know how to sort of put it into words. Anyone
0: else? Uh, I would say that, oh, Arthur, do you want
3: to go?
4: Yeah, I'll be quick so you get your point in as well. Um, Yeah, I think definitely symbolism of the hand, you know, someone feeding someone a hand, helping hand, you know, kind of, you know, it's nourishment, but at the same time, it's so sick and twisted. The number on his hand as well, um, that always just gives me vibes of, this is a person who's kind of been used and abused that you know treated as a piece of kind of meat or saying um you know because they're labeled they a number that's like a factory line um but yeah that's the kind of general vibes yeah kitty what were you gonna say
0: um yeah i was just gonna say his compliance was something that uh, stuck out to me um throughout so for me by the end that kind of told me that um possibly this would carry on because he seemed kind of Uh, almost afraid to question anything that was going on. You know, throughout the film, he's kind of just, he does what he's told, really. Um, So I think that really kind of told me that this, and also the numbers, like Arthur said, this told me that this was going to carry on for um, quite a while more.
4: But he walked away, didn't he? He walked away when he uh, woke up again. He didn't do that first time, did he?
0: Was that him, and the first time he walked to... The, so he he walked out to the person's house, right? So was that him just doing that again?
5: No comment. I think there's
3: <laughs> this ambiguity to where you sort of got to use your imagination or sort of try and figure it out instead of just plainly trying to say what it is.
5: Mm. I think. Do you have any thoughts on the pictures? Because that was one... One element that came into it quite late in in the writing, but I thought no that that is important. I do need to put that in, so I wondered what what you thought of all of it There was a lot of pictures of of the man. What did you think of those
4: could suggest he 's a clone just off the top of my head um, if they 've already got pictures of him in that house and the numbers on his hand you know. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Moon um, with Sam Rockwell, but you know, he's just kind of production line. Um, I don't know what they, the people they might gain from him, um, you know, eating a hand and having his hand to the next person, but I suppose he's being used in some way and they've got pictures of him because he's recurring.
5: And the picture with the woman, all stuff to think about.
0: So to conclude on Chain by Jay Taylor-Jones, it's out on YouTube now, today, Um, I recommend everyone goes and checks it out, and um, we really hope you enjoyed this bonus interview.
4: Thank
5: you very much for having me.
4: So next week's film, um, which I am choosing, um, is going to be, I'm going to give you a little bit of context, okay, Um, Algeria, independence gain in 1962 and in 1966 we get the release of the battle of algiers and this is a film if you guys have got amazon prime you can watch it for free you don't have to rent or anything it's on prime i'm pretty sure it's also on youtube as well um but i haven't checked that out um if it's got subtitles but yes it's a it's a 1960s war film it's shot on a very kind of fresh at the time very fresh sort of documentary style really realistic sort of it all looks like newsreel a lot of it and it's all about um, the kind of guerrilla warfare of the um, Algerian people because um, Algeria was a um, French colony until 1962 and there was a kind of bitter war um, in mostly taking place the heart of it was in the city of Algiers in Algeria and um, that's basically where the film takes place. And I'm not going to say much more because I think you guys just check it out. And um, it's yeah, very political film. Um, but yeah, that's the film for next week: Battle of Algiers.
0: Oh, seems interesting. I haven't heard of it myself. So yeah, me either, Actually, look forward to watching it.
2: Yeah.
3: I haven't heard of that, but that sounds quite
4: good. Yes, I will say more next. I don't want to say too much because we yeah we'll discuss it next week. But um, yes. It's, it opens quite quickly, it's quite some, but then um, it took me a while just to kind of get adju- adjusted to it. But once I was in it, I was in it and it's great.
3: Is it a foreign film?
4: Um, it's Italian. It's by uh, the director's a guy called Gillo Pontecorvo, um, And I don't know about his other stuff, but people, he kind of got worldwide sort of acclaim for this film. It became really big he thought it would just be a sort of independent sort of you know sort of film that gets screened at a film festival and gets sort of acclaimed there but it got real kind of worldwide acclaim and it's actually um become very famous for its depiction of guerrilla warfare and um insurgency and stuff
0: oh sounds interesting um Uh, yeah i look forward to that so thank you so much um for listening to this episode uh we really hope you enjoyed it and hope that um you maybe are intrigued to go and check out Pulse if you haven't already watched it. Um, And before we say goodbye, I'd just like to say a special thank you to Grace, who's our editor. Um, We haven't yet had a chance to kind of thank her, but um, yet she edits all the podcasts and does a very good job. So thank you to her. Um, And as well, thank you to Seb, Seb Mason, who who did our jingle for us. Um, So thanks to him. Um, So goodbye, thanks for listening Happy Halloween And uh, again, I hope you Enjoyed and we hope you have a great Halloween